Okay, welcome, friends. Howdy. Howdy. We really need to come up with something like that in Nebraska. Thank you for the tip. I totally forgot. <laughs> okay, welcome to Your Story Must Be Told. Um, you all should have uh, two handouts and an index card. If you have any questions for Aaron or I about our story, if you have questions about how to share your story that we haven't addressed, we would love for you to write your questions down. We gave ourselves some time at the end to answer questions, um, so feel free to do that. And what we're going to talk about today are practical tips for sharing your story. And as Aaron and I started to talk about that, um, the first thing that jumped to my mind in my own life is the I can't share my story unless I'm seeing God in my story. And I think sometimes I don't even recognize that God is at work. I don't recognize where he is. I don't recognize what he's doing. And so how can I share what I haven't seen? Um, so we're going to start off, um, in order to, to tell your story, you have to see God in your story. Um, so just for starters, what are the things that jump to you guys' mind when you think, what keeps me from seeing God and recognizing that he's at work and that he's writing my story? What are some things? This is where you talk. <laughs> Busyness. Busyness. What else? Yes. Your own plans, your own thoughts. I agree completely. Being tired. Yes. I am too sleepy to see God at work. That is the truth. <laughs> Maybe right this moment. What else? Lack of practice doing it because it's something that takes practice. Excellent, Pam. I can't see you, but I know that was your voice. <laughs> Ray. Yeah, like and tired of, of watching to see. I would totally agree with that. Discouragement. Discouragement. Very much so. I agree with that completely. We'll come back to that one as well. Anything else? Yes. Yeah, you think it's your story and you're the one that's doing it, and so you forget that it's God that's at work in all things. I agree. Discontentment can be a giant blindness. I would agree with that completely. As I thought about the three biggest, you guys have hit so many, and I feel like all those things fit into the categories of the three biggest blind spots. Um, the three biggest blind spots that I have um, seen in my own life. Um, the first, I think, goes under the heading of circumstances. It's hard for me to recognize that God is working my, at work in my story when my circumstances don't look like what I planned for them to look, my plans. Um, I would never say, I mean, you guys know my story now. You know I was born into this church. I became a believer here. The, the theology and the doctrine that I have is Grace Bible Church theology and doctrine. This is where I learned it. By no stretch of the imagination would you say that I'm like one of those health and wealth guys on TV that says if I obey God, then he blesses me. But the reality is when circumstances come along um, that are not of my choosing, my first response is often, why me? What did I do? And I think that sometimes betrays where I think um, circumstances are coming from. It's very difficult for me sometimes to see that my circumstances might be God-ordained. I don't like this circumstance, and so I want God to change it. And until he does what I want him to do, then I think he's not working. And that's, that's a real lie, and it's a real blindness for me. I, I forget that the circumstances that he's given me, like I talked about with my family, that wasn't his curse on me. It was something he chose for me, and he intended to bring beauty out of it. But if I don't receive it from him, then I can't ever see him make that transformation. Um, I forget that God is good, and he's near me no matter what my circumstances are, and I'm completely blinded um, by what's going on in my life. The second one that I thought of, and, and this is probably true for every one of us in the room, Erin talked about it and in her story, is comparison. I can so often miss what God is doing in my life because it doesn't look like what he's doing in somebody else's life. 
or I, I, I'm not grateful, I'm not thankful, I'm not receiving it from him because what I want is what somebody else is getting. This was hard for me as I walked through singleness because I lived in a college town and I defy you to come up with someone who's been in more weddings than I have been in. I have coordinated them, I have read scripture, I've lit candles, that's the worst job, well, cutting cake is the worst job, um, <laughs> that the candle lighting is kind of nervous, I don't know, um, I've, I've been a bride, I've done everything but say, I now commit, pronounce you man a wife, like I've done it, and, and you really begin to wonder, when is it going to be my turn, and you look at what God's doing in other people's lives, and, you, and it's hard for you then to see what he's doing in your own life, this was hard for me in wanting to have another baby, there is no place like the church in America when you are trying to get pregnant, because pregnant people are everywhere, they're everywhere, it's it's true in Texas. It's true in Nebraska. You can't throw a rock in a church without hitting eight pregnant ladies. So don't do that. Um, <laughs> it's hard for me as I pursue a ministry and a place in ministry because I want to serve and I want to give, but then I look at the way that she serves and gives and I think, oh, I can never do that because I'm not like her and I'm comparing. Um, and so it's, I'm unable to see how God would use me because I'm looking around me. Um, the third thing, and you guys hit on this absolutely, is just the sheer busyness and general speed at which we live our lives. And um, I kind of live my life now in two different worlds. I, I spend lots of time with college women, and then I spend lots of time with young moms and moms that are growing a little older, um, like I am. Um, and in both places, I'm amazed at how full our schedules are. I feel like we live in maybe the busiest time. I mean, we might be the busiest people who've ever lived on this planet. As far as being connected and spread out, if we had lived several hundred years ago, we might have stayed in the village and known 200 people our entire lives. And I have a thousand Facebook friends. Like, I don't understand how I'm supposed to maintain life at that level. Like, how, how is that even possible? Just the sheer busyness of life. And the reality is, if I'm so busy running from one thing to the next, I'm never going to have time to process. I'm never going to have time to look for God in my story and recognize that he's there. And I read this week, I read a really cool thing about light, that all light that's seen is light from the past, meaning the sun shone, the ball of fire like however many years ago, and then the light that we see in sunlight today is light that came from a long time ago and a long way away. Isn't that cool? Um, and I'm not a scientist, so if that's weird, I don't know what. But like the light that we see now is old light, and all light that's seen is light that's seen from the past, meaning that, you know, in Aaron and I's story, it's not like I was in the middle of all the stuff that was going on with my dad thinking, oh, this is what God is teaching me. At the time, it felt very confusing, you know, I'm sure for Aaron, it was very confusing and daunting to think, where is God in this story? And, but what happened is over time, as we receive from him, and then we look back and we learn and we see and we grow, and we recognize where God's at work. And um, I just love that whole concept that light is from the past. We all have aha moments, but the reality is in the middle of the light uh, of life, I don't usually feel like I'm really learning. It's when I look back or I see changes or the same thing happened that used to bring out this response and I don't respond that same way. And you go, oh, God is growing me. Um, but you have to have the um, time and space for that. And, and the life that we live just doesn't make that very easy. And um, for each of these blind spots, um, I feel like the Lord has shown me glasses, things that I can take and put on and choose. Erin talked about in her story, um, the power of choice. And I feel like that's what we, when we're talking about seeing God, it's a choice that we make. And each of these choices are choices that I can make to see God um, instead of the blind spots that blind me. And um, for me with my circumstances, the biggest thing of overcoming being blinded by my circumstances is thankfulness. 
And being thankful is recognizing that everything that God that comes into my life is from the hand of God and chosen for me. And he's a good God. So I can give thanks for us for it. The Bible commands us to give thanks for all things, not just the things I would choose, not just the things I like, not just the things that look like the movies or like that person or that person, but all things. And if the Bible commands us to do that, then it means two things. First, it must be possible. I, I must be by the power of the spirit and Jesus in me. I must be able to thank God for all things and all things must be worth giving thanks for. Because the Bible wouldn't say give thanks for all things if these things were worth thankfulness and these things weren't. And just even realizing that, that there isn't anything in my life that's not worth giving thanks for, it has given me great power to see. I've been reading a book. Um, I don't know if any of you guys have ever read Ann Voskamp's blog. It's called A Holy Experience. And she's just an amazing writer. She's a little bit poetic. When I read some of her stuff, I'll say, Matt, listen to this. And he's like, what does that even mean? I don't know, but isn't it pretty? I just love, <laughs> I love the way she writes. She's super honest. Like sometimes I'm like, I can't read that right now. And then I think about it and then I come back later. And um, she's written the book called 1,000 Gifts about this power of receiving everything that God gives you as a gift and then how that's transformed her life. It's a fantastic book. I'd highly recommend it. But I'll warn you, I read it and then I thought, okay, I have to read that again. So I went back to the beginning and I'm reading it again and I can already tell I just, I just need to sit with this truth a little bit longer before I'm going to be able to absorb it. But just this past week, as I was rereading it, um, I, read, I read this quote that I thought fit in right with what we um, are talking about. She says... I may feel disappointment and the despair may flood high, but to give thanks is an action and rejoice is a verb. These are not mere pulsing emotions. While I may not always feel joy, God asked me to give thanks in all things because he knows that the feeling of joy begins with the action of thanksgiving. I mean, that is powerful stuff. I absolutely love the concept that giving thanks is an action and rejoice is a verb. And I can choose to feel, I can only feel one feeling at a time, and I can choose. Rather than feeling and letting my feelings rule me, I can choose to give thanks and then expect that joy will follow. I, I feel, I love that I'm telling you guys this on the heels of Erin giving her story because I learned so much from watching she and Lane walk through that story. Lane thanked God. He praised God. He chose that. And to be his friend and to watch him do that and to watch Aaron, you know, Matt would say in losing his wife, the hardest part wasn't the fear of losing her to cancer. The hardest part was the next day and the next day and the next day. And we get to watch Aaron do that by the power of the Holy Spirit to say, I'm not going to look at these circumstances and say, circumstances are bad. Therefore, God is good. I'm going to say, I'm going to take what I know to be true. And I'm going to look at my circumstances and say, that does not look good but I'm going to try and look at it through the lens of his word. And that's a choice that I make. And as I try to overcome blindness caused by comparison, I feel like the key for me is to focus. I have to ask myself, where am I looking? Am I looking around or am I looking up? And I probably, this is true for all of us. For me, for sure. Comparison is my first clue that I'm self-focused. If I'm thinking about how I measure up with other people, then I'm thinking about myself. I'm not thinking about God. And there's no freedom there. There's no joy there. Comparison is the thief of joy, as Aaron said. My eyes need to be on Christ. If I'm going to recognize where he's at work, if I'm going to receive what he gives me as from him and a gift, then I have to be looking at him. I can't be looking around. What God does in other people's lives is between them and the Lord. 
And I want to be, I want to be the kind of person who can live the truth in Romans 12 to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And I can't do that if I'm going, oh, but if God really loved me, I'd look like you. It just doesn't work. I have to be looking at him. Um, the last blind spot we talked about was busyness. And I think if I'm going to overcome um, busyness, being blinded by the sheer speed of life, then I need to make deliberate choices to create space in my life to watch and listen for God. This is definitely a journey that I'm still on. Um, I also think it's a journey that as your stage of life changes, like I feel like I really figured that out when I was living here in College Station and I was had space in my life and I knew how to have margin and then my life changed and that all went out the window and then every year something else changes and so you got to learn again, how do I make space in my life for the Lord? Um, I think it has to happen on two levels. Um, the first is the general scheduling of my life and as I work with college girls at the beginning of every semester, it's like you have a choice of what you're going to do. And, and every college girl I know, so I, I mean, you come in as a freshman, you're like, eight Bible studies, woo! Um, and then you kind of learn that doesn't really work. Um, and, and, but that's a process. But then even, even as an adult and as I've grown, I know those things, but I still have to yearly think about what are the major commitments that I'm doing. And these might all be wonderful, good things, but I need to make the deliberate choice to limit what I can do and know what I'm capable of that's still going to allow me. And sometimes God gives you more than you can handle and it comes in the middle and it's unexpected and you don't have a choice and you trust him. And I don't need to be like having a quiet time every day in order to be blessed by God. That's not the point. I'm not earning anything. I'm saying, I, I know that God's at work. I know he is. If he's in this place that I should be able to see him and he loves to answer the prayer, will you show yourself to me? He loves it. And I want to have space in my life. I want to have room. I want to have margin. And so on a macro level, as you, as you address the major commitments of your life, you think, if I do all of these things, is there going to be room for me to hear and listen and think whatever that looks like in my life? I think it also has to happen on the micro level of just day to day, am I leaving space in my days? And for me, reading blogs, being on Facebook, emailing people, reading what's going on in Aaron's life, which is a wonderful thing. But if that's crowding out the daily time that I have just to sit and to listen and to be still, to read the Bible, to pray. For me, journaling is just essential because my thoughts get all tangled up in my head and I can't tell what's happening, what's happening. And for whatever reason, writing it out really helps me. Sometimes I just list out, here's all the junky lies I'm believing. And then I can look at it and go, okay, that's not true. And here's why. And I can walk myself back to a healthy place. But if I'm not giving room for that, then there's no way that I'm going to see and recognize what God is doing. Um, the hardest thing for me in that is that the best time of day for me in my current life um, style is first thing in the morning. And I found, I told you guys, I have like this kissing person that wants to be on top of me all day long, which is delightful, but like, hi, Jesus, there's someone kissing me. It's just too much. So I have to learn. I need to get up before, like I need that space at the beginning of my day. And that doesn't happen unless I go to bed at a decent hour. But then like my kids go to bed and that's like the first time all day long I can do whatever I want. And so it's just hard to make those choices. And, but I've learned if I want to give space and room and feel like I have Sabbath in my life and I'm not one to think, oh, I have to take one day a week to not work. For starters, part of my work is feeding people. And so my family wouldn't eat if I didn't work. So I 
don't know really how you manage a Sabbath, but <laughs> I, I do think the whole concept of Sabbath and rest and having space and saying it's God's work, it's God's work. Am I leaving time? Do you, are you learning yourself to know what makes me feel like I have time to listen and to watch and to see and to be aware? Do I believe that if I ask God, show yourself to me, that he delights in answering that prayer? I believe it, and I want to make space for that. If the God of the universe wants to have a relationship with me, I, I want to respond to him in that, and I want to be a part of it. Totally went off my notes there. Woo! Um, Okay, with that in mind, you know, we're all built differently as far as that goes, but I do have a tool that I want to give you guys. It's this double page thing that you have. This is a thing called Mapping Your Life Story. It's something they do at Dallas Seminary and with their spiritual formation groups. And we started doing it when I was working with the college ministry. We started doing it with our college ministry team, and we all kind of worked through this process. And when I left, Amber inherited my computer, and so she got my life story. I didn't know I left it on there. Now we don't know what happened to it, so out there somewhere. Um, and basically what I'd done is work through the chapters of my life to see how God is working. And then we shared it as our staff. So we thought that would be a great tool just to give you guys. And if you want to work through this on your own, basically what you do is you divide your life into segments, kind of chapters. Mine were like youth and childhood, the college years, the post-college years, and then the Nebraska years. So that's kind of the four main ones that I would have. And then for each of your chapters, you think through your heritage and you ask yourself, how, how does the home and the family and the culture that I came from affect me in this stage of life and in this stage of life and in this stage of life? You think through your heroes. Who are the people who made a distinctly positive impression on your life? It can be your family. It, it can really be anyone. What are the high points? And then what are the hard times? And so you do that for each of your chapters. And then once you've done with that, you think through and you pray through and you kind of spend time thinking through each of the chapters of your life and think, what did I learn about God in that chapter? And like for my early chapter, there was, God was never spoken of in that first part of my life. But I do, I can see things that he was revealing himself to me through books that I read, through friends that I had. I feel like that shaped me in ways that I didn't realize until I stopped and looked at it. And then you also ask, what did I learn about myself? What do I know about how I respond to things? What's important to me? And, and you ask those questions. Then once you've done that, then you start to think, what are the major themes of my life? You guys heard, I feel like the major theme, my absolute favorite thing about God is that he makes ugly things beautiful. And I feel like that's a theme in my life is this is not what I would have chosen or it's just flat out ugly. Like nobody would argue it's just ugly, but God has brought beauty out of it. And so that's, that's a theme that I see over the course of my life. And I feel like just even doing that gives you the power to recognize, and it's hard. I mean, you know, there were women, so it's like, just give me a fill in the blank and tell me what the one right answer is. Like you really have to pray through that and think, what are the themes? What have I seen? Redemption, God's sovereignty. Um, Matt always makes fun of me because I say that wrong. Sovereignty? Yeah, okay. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you think through your themes, and then basically you take your story and you write it out, and so you're processing through it, um, and then, um, then you share it with someone. I would think what a fabulous thing it would be if in small groups we could all do this and then take turns and share our stories. I'll warn you with our college staff, it took days. So give yourself a little time. Um, or you could just do it with a friend and say, this is what I've worked through. And, you know, a safe friend, we're like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I think this is a theme. That would be totally fine. It's just basically practice at looking for God in your story and then learning how to communicate him. Um, and as I worked through these things and thought through the blind spots in my life and 
um, how I've seen, I feel like God has trained me, like here are glasses and it definitely takes practice. This is not something that I, you know, because I learned it in this stage of life, then now I'm just good at looking at and focusing on God and being thankful and regularly I have to practice. I have to think, okay, this is not what I would choose, but I'm going to put on the glasses of what God says about me and what God says about himself. And it takes practice. And I really, um, I wondered with the 270 women that we have here tonight, what if every one of us chose and said, I believe you, Jesus, and I choose to look for you. I believe that you delight in revealing yourself and I want to see you. So will you show yourself to me? He loves to answer that prayer. What if we, what if we chose, I'm not going to be blinded by these things anymore. What if we chose, I will give thanks in every circumstance and I will look for you even in the ugliest things. And I will expect that you're a God who makes ugly things beautiful. What if we today, by the power of the spirit, stopped comparing ourselves with each other and just turned to focus on Christ who, who maintained every standard for us. He's the standard, but he met the standard. So we look to him. What if we stopped filling our lives so full that there was no time to listen and to sit and to pray and to talk to him and to begin to have our eyes changed so that we see him all around us. I think if we did those things, we would begin to see him. And as we saw him in our stories, we wouldn't be able to help but share them. And that's what Aaron's going to talk about. There we go. Good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'm talking about how to share God through your story, which is basically what we just did in there was we took our stories and we shared them with you. And it's really not much harder than that. It took some time to prepare it, but... Um, Acts 4.20 says, For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Which is totally how I feel about my story. And hopefully you feel about yours. God has done so much, I can't help but talk about it. God has done so much in your lives, in my life. We've got to, to be that excited about that. We can't help seeing, about talking about what we've seen and heard. So sharing God through your story means using your story to share what God has done. It's really not any more complicated than that. But you do have to go through the steps, like Renee said, about you got to see him in your story first. And so you have to be diligent and disciplined to look for him. He's there. He's in everything. But we often go through life just, so, like she said, so fast that we, we miss him. We totally miss him if we don't look. So a few ways you can share your story are ways to share your story. Um, one would be journaling, like, like Renee said. Um, some of you might not really be writers, um, you might process things in different ways, but even if it doesn't have to be wonderfully poetic and said all the right ways, because really it's between you and the Lord. But if you take time to write things down, then you can look back and see all that God has done. You think you're going to remember things that happen. And as a, if you're a mom, you know, you forget tons of stuff about your kids or which kid did what and all that. You think you're going to remember, but it's the same thing with what the Lord does, because if you think back what did God do in my life two years ago? You might be able to remember big things, but it's also the little things that he does every day. And the, you can look back at, and think, wow, I prayed for that, and that was answered in this way. And if you don't look back, you might not, you might not remember. Very important. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I have 17 years of Lane's prayer journals. Did not miss a day. The last two weeks, he couldn't write. We wrote for him. He told us what to write. So I, I, have, I have that. And what a legacy for my children to be able to read from, from their dad about his struggles and his, his desire to trust God and his ability to do that through the power of the Lord. And there's, that is irreplaceable. That legacy is irreplaceable. And even if you don't have kids, prayerfully someday you will. And friends, I mean, the, you can use your story to bless so, so many people. So it takes discipline, but it's definitely worth it. I'm not much of a journaler. My, my main venue 
about my story was a Caring Bridge website, which really started off as just a way to keep people updated on what was going on, what was happening with this treatment. And then it turned into, well, this is what God's teaching me today. This is where I'm struggling. Please pray for me. And it turned into this big thing. So um, blogging is another way that you can share your story. And it, it, it can be even just through posting stuff on Facebook. I mean, we're, we're so technological these days and we can use all that crazy technology for the glory of God, believe it or not. <laughs> um, but if you're not into all that, one of the best ways that we have to use that everybody has access to is verbally. We all like to talk, right? We're women. We like to talk. And you, everybody has that available. If God has done something in your life, talk about it. Just You just need to talk about it with your friends, family, classmates, whoever you're around. I mean, it doesn't mean you only talk about Jesus every minute of every day, but it's, it definitely can come out quite a bit. And that's how you really build relationships with people. You just get, the first group hadn't heard Julie yet, so you just came from her part. And it's all about building relationships with people and talking and being honest. And that's the next thing is no matter which way God gives you to share your story, you have to be honest and transparent with others, which is not easy to do, especially if you are a woman living in America, which we all are. Um, there's just this weird des- desire that we have that we think we've got to, We've got to have it all together, and we have to look right, and we have to, we have to act like we're, we're so godly, and, and we don't struggle with anything, and, and we, just, we just have it all together, and our kids are always perfect, and we ace all our tests, and we don't have to study because we're so smart. I mean, just, I don't know why we think all these things, because they're completely untrue. And one of the big things you have to do is just get rid of your pride and decide, okay, if I'm going to put myself out there and like I just did in there and say, these are the things I struggle with and here's how I failed, but here is God's faithfulness through it. And here's what I need prayer for. You have to put your, yourself out of, out of the way. And uh, one of my favorite quotes that has to do with that is, you wouldn't worry so much about what people thought of you if you realized how seldom they did. <laughs> so true. I think so many of the things I worry about what people think about me, they're not even thinking about it. I mean, how narcissistic is that for us to think, well, they're always thinking about me, so I need to worry about this thing. You know, it's just, um, it's quite humbling. <laughs> but it's very true. A lot of things we worry about are, are, are not important. Um, Psalm 15, 1 and 2 says, Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart. The Lord wants us to speak truth in our heart. And you learn from her little thingy that <laughs> the heart is the heart of the matter, that you want to get to things of the heart. And God wants us to speak truth in our heart and not present a vision of ourselves that is not even accurate, which is so easy for us to do. We can talk about our, she probably said this, about our hobbies, about our family, about our whatever it is all day long and never get to the root. What if you're dying inside and hurting because of things that are happening and you just don't get there? People can't help you and you can't help other people if you don't decide to speak truth in your heart. I think that's really what the Lord wants us to do. So why is it so hard to be transparent about our failures and needs? Why do you think it's so hard to be transparent? This is you talk time. (laughs) Yeah, we don't have it all together. It's painful. Mm -hmm. Oh, approval seeking. Mm Mm-hmm good. I think our culture almost promotes perfection, which nobody even has it. So why are we striving for something that we can't even get to? But the coolest thing is Christ has already done it for us. We have his righteousness. So we are perfect in his eyes, even if we don't act that way. So we don't need to be perfect in the eyes of other people because we're not anyways. 
So is your story worth sharing? Yes. Every person in this room, your story is worth sharing. Like I said in there, you don't have to have some major humongo trial that has happened. No matter what it is, your story is worth sharing. People often think the stories with the most value are the ones that have the, the most turnaround. Like, oh, I was on drugs for 10 years and then Christ saved me from it. And yes, there is so much power in how God can rescue people from things. But it doesn't have to be that kind of thing. If you just know the Lord, that's enough. So we're going to go through a list on the back side of your sheet. Um, we're going to go through a list. Philippians 2, 1 and 2 says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do you have encouragement from being united with Christ? I hope so. Do you have comfort from His love? Fellowship with the Spirit? If so... Be one in spirit and purpose. And what, what's our main purpose? To honor and glorify him and make him known and to love his people. So if you have trusted Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, your story must be told. Prayerfully, all of you can say that. That is enough. If that is the only thing God has done, that's awesome. That's huge. That's worth talking about. If you have ever been redeemed or forgiven, your story must be told. If you know Jesus, you have been redeemed and you have been forgiven. If you are not who you were before you trusted Christ, your story must be told. If God has ever revealed himself to you through his word, your story must be told. Have you ever read the same verse multiple times and all of a sudden one time you go, Oh, that's so cool. That means this. God speaks to us through his word. Your story must be told. If you have ever seen God turn something ugly into something beautiful, like Renee's story, your story must be told. If you have ever seen God turn what the world sees as a tragedy into a blessing, your story must be told, which is why I had to tell my story. If you have ever seen God bring you through a season of life you know you couldn't have done without Him, your story must be told. We all have things we've gone through that we think, there's no way I could have done that. Or do you ever look back at times in your life and think, how did I even get through that? I mean, that's how the whole journey with Lane, I think, who was, who was that person that did that? That was me. It's crazy. It's worth telling because God, God's the one that did it. It wasn't me. If God has ever given you the grace to forgive someone or someones for an offense committed against you that you thought you'd never get over, your story must be told. It could be abuse. It could be infidelity. It could be somebody being mean to you on the playground. <laughs> Hopefully you're not still struggling with something like that. <laughs> There's so many offenses that are committed against us that God can bring forgiveness and restoration. Your story must be told. If God has rescued you from addictions to drugs, to alcohol, to men, to women, to pornography, to food, to exercise, the internet, entertainment, shopping, not all those things are bad, but they can easily turn into idols. Any other modern-day idols, your story must be told. God has, when God rescues you from things like that, it's worth bragging on Him about it. If God has granted healing to you or your loved ones, physically, emotionally, or spiritually, your story must be told. If God has restored broken relationships in your life or in those around you, your story must be told. If you have ever prayed for something... And seen God answer your prayers in ways only He knew were best for you. And perhaps in contrary to the answer you prayed for, your story must be told. 
you know, that makes me think of the old Garth Brooks song. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. You know, it's kind of on the cheesy side, but it's so true. I'm so thankful God did not answer every prayer that I prayed to him over the, my, the course of my life. I'm so thankful that I didn't marry some of the idiots I dated that I prayed, oh, let this be the one I'm going to marry. You know? <laughs> he knows best. I'm sure you've seen him answer prayers in, different, in ways that you didn't think he would. If you have been protected from someone or something that likely would have hurt you or ones you love, your story must be told. If you have ever been blown away at the depth and abundance of God's provision in times of need, substantial like my story and literally provision of people helping me and my, my children or trivial. Thank you, Lord, that I got a good parking space on campus today. <laughs> or I got that great sale. Your story must be told. Every blessing we have comes from the Lord. If you have experienced freedom in Christ from anything or anyone that tried to take his rightful place in your heart, your story must be told. I hope that all of you could see yourself in multiple lines <laughs> your story must be told these things are worth talking about and really again the focus isn't even on you it's about god and how he's writing your story and the great things that he's doing psalm 89 1 says i will sing of the mercies of the lord forever with my mouth i will make known thy faithfulness to all generations it doesn't say i'll sing of the mercies of the lord when i feel like it <laughs> forever that's what he's called us to do and he is good enough to talk about. Yay. <laughs> um, now we're going to have a little time for questions. If anyone has any questions, if you have them on a card, you can pass them up. Or questions about sharing your story or either of our stories, we'd be happy to um, answer them. So if you have a card, you can pass it up. Or if you just want to raise your hand, that's great too. No questions. Okay, talk. Oh, there's one. Yay, Carol. Did you spend more time praying or writing, getting ready for this? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Um, praying. Yeah, I spent a lot of time praying. I prayed. They ask us in October. Yeah, so. we knew a long time ago. When this was originally supposed to be an overnight retreat, so we've known for months and months. I spent a lot of time praying for you, too. Well, and I kind of had a laugh when they asked us to do it. Um, I mean, basically, they're like, we'll fly you down. You can do this. Like, you need to pray about it. I'm like, no. Yes, I'll come. <laughs> like, surely the Lord will give me something to say. And Aaron prayed. And I was like, okay, I'm coming. So. <laughs> but God did give her something to say. <laughs> well, okay. If God gives me an opportunity to come to Texas, I come. So, yeah. But I did pray a lot about what I had to say. So. <laughs> Anything else? Oh, oh, woohoo! Oh, could y'all hear that question? How did God provide for me and support me before Lane passed away? Oh, gosh, do y'all have like a million hours to listen? Um, so many ways. I mean, I, I've kind of touched on it, but I think because I the the things that I know to be true about the Lord, basically his his attributes, that's what kept me going. Um, He's good, he's merciful, he's faithful, he's loving. I mean, all those things. Even if I didn't feel them at the time, I had to, to just remember it. That's truth. I mean, it doesn't matter what I feel, that that's the truth about God. And so I had to keep going back to that and keep going back to truth, especially when I started believing lies. How can God be good if he's taking me down this horrible path, at least in the world's eyes? And he provided in humongo... I keep using that word, and it's not even a word. <laughs> Ginormous. <laughs> I like that one, too. Um just so many ways. Financially, we had, I mean, I have people send us 
money and I, mean, I never asked, but God still provided. Um, I don't know. So just so many, so many things God provided, not just emotionally, but spiritually and practically tons of, like I said, tons of people in this church really helped with lots of stuff. Lindsay. Can you think of anything that happened this week that was ugly and God made it beautiful? I feel like probably the most common way um, that I see that is in, it's been hard for me. Um, I make friends pretty easily. I love being around people, um, but friendships and deep friendships have been hard for me in the season of life that I am now. Being a young mom is very isolating, and the relationships that... um, like the closer relationships in my life. I mean, you guys, Heather Bryan and I worked like two inches from each other. Like she would forget that I'm there and she would sing. And, and when she and Jamie were dating, they're like, Oh, kissy faces. We forgot her name was there. I mean, we're like, Heather and I like lived our lives together in, in nobody in my life. Now there's nobody that's going to get that level of every day, every thought, every, it's just not possible. And so I've had to learn to release those expectations. And then, I mean, honestly, I just get my feelings hurt or like that person, didn't respond to me. I had recently had a friend that I really wanted to spend time with and I had texted her, do you want to get together? And she texted me back and said, um, like, Oh, can you pick up whatever? Like it was like a tasky thing. And I was like, Oh sure. I can do that. And then I texted again. Do you want to get together? And she never responded to me, which is kind of weird. Like who even does that? And then I found out two days later that like I was with another friend that's a mutual friend. Like, Oh, I had breakfast with her. And I'm like, I mean, it's just I, like, I don't understand what that is. And, um, so my first response was like, I got real insecure and, you know, I mean, I just was a girl and was like, I wish I could be with Heather because she would never do that. I mean, it's just (laughs) whatever. So, um, but what I saw is I really stepped back and I said, okay, I'm having a really ugly response to this. And the reality is that's between her and the Lord. Like, I don't know what's going on with her, but do I need her to be my friend? Like, basically I just walked through kind of the stuff that we did. And I felt like, okay, I can pray for her. I can remember that I really do have lots of friends. I can choose to believe the truth. I can, you know, like I feel like I walk through. And then honestly, it's like the Lord just took all those ugly emotions. Like I feel blessing towards her and I couldn't have chosen that, you know, like I just, and I feel like I have a healthy relationship with her and I still don't know what that was kind of all about, but I don't know. Like that would be just a normal daily example of like, this feels pretty ugly at the moment, but. I have a choice, you know, does that, is that good? Are they still going? I can't really tell. Oh, good. Okay. We're done. Okay. Oh, yes. And then we're going to have to cut it off because I think they're done, but that's good. That's an excellent question. Did y'all hear that? When you have, when you're going through trials and you don't feel the presence of God, how do you cope with that? Which if you haven't already experienced that, you will. Yes, you will. Something will happen where you don't feel him. There was a lot of times when I didn't necessarily feel the presence of God, but that's where I have to go back to truth. What do I know to be true about him? And what do I know to be true about me? Because I know him, which is, he is near to me. He's, he's in me through the Holy spirit. I have every spiritual blessing in Christ. Um, whether I feel it or not, whether I feel the presence of God, he is here. He is in this place. He is in my circumstances. So it's really, it's choice. Am I going to choose to believe that truth or not? Okay. So now I know it's kind of late, but hey, we're partying tonight. Um, and this part's, of course, totally optional, but these are super cool. We have 200 journals that you guys can, well, not 200 per person, but, um, that you can make. And they start off looking like this, your plain old little composition notebook, and they come out looking like this. 
And we have all the supplies in there, and some of our college interns are going to help you all make them. So this is a practical way to begin sharing, talking, or sharing, writing down your story, even if it's just listing your prayer requests out. It doesn't have to be poetic like Ann Voskamp, although we love her. Um, So thanks for coming in, and go across there and make a journal.